I want to take a quick second to promote a business that's a friend of the podcast and also a person who runs it as a friend of mine, and that is Sick Little Creations. So you can find it on Redbubble. There's amazing uh, stuff on there. You can find artwork, stickers, um, some clothing, a bunch of other stuff. Find it on redbubble.com. You can also uh, find more of her work at Pinterest. Be sure to check that out. It's really amazing work. So any at any time you have, you need to get a gift for someone. Like I know we're, you likely just missed Mother's Day, but still you do have, you do have Father's Day coming up. There's still birthdays. There are a variety of other holidays that you can go for. So definitely be sure to check that out. And that's the Sick Little Creations. And you can find that on Redbubble, and also be sure to follow her on Pinterest as well. Hi everybody, this is Matt Kirby, and welcome to a brand new episode of Groupie and Harmony, the podcast all about music. Today, I was originally planning on discussing top albums of 2021, but something else came up, and that is that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame announced their nominees for 2022. So I'll cover that instead, and we'll do the albums in a future episode, hopefully the next episode. Before I get into that, though, I have a Facebook page. It's called Groupie in Harmony. Uh, make sure you get that like, because I post on there whenever I have any updates about the podcast, whenever I release a new episode, or whenever I have any updates or new posts for my music blog, Feeling Groupie. Uh, so my most recent one on that one uh, was my favorite songs of 2021. Now, in my previous episode, I discussed my 25 favorite songs, where the top 10 were really the focus of it. Uh, this one discusses my 50 favorite songs of 2021. Um, and also, I do just want to quickly shout out the post that I made before that as well. So, in copying what you 2 did for uh, what they had done in promotion for a song of theirs that's on the soundtrack I sang, they did their 10 songs to save their lives for each of their members. I copied that idea, did, one as, did a list for that as well. So, those are my last two posts. Be sure to check those two out. Uh, I think they're really cool ones. And I'll have a new post that's coming out for the top uh, for the top albums. I'll discuss that next episode, what to expect from that. So it will be shortly after that. Probably a couple days after that episode it's released, I'll release that post. And then I also have a basketball blog, which has a separate Facebook page. And that's called Is Baller Trademarked Yet? So I released my episode i mean my last post i released my predictions for the nba all-star game uh the lineup has since been announced so if you want to compare how i did for those uh by all means feel free to uh it wound up being i think looking at the list i i feel like it was pretty good there were a couple that i definitely got wrong but still um i think i i think i did fine overall with that um, especially in the West. Um, uh, and then I'm going to have a couple posts come out soon. I might, I'm not sure if I'm going to do one reflecting on the All-Star nominees. I didn't feel like there were that many huge upsets or surprises, so I'm not sure if I'm going to do that one yet. Mostly, it was mostly what I kind of expected would happen. And then, uh, but I do want one that's discussing WNBA free agency. That's I'm working on that one. I got a little bit bogged down with some things, so I haven't finished that one quite yet. But that one, uh, that because this is an exciting year for free WNBA free agency. So a bunch of big name free agents and even a bunch of under the radar names that can really help out a team as well. 
which is really been fun, fun to pay attention to, even if a lot of players end up resigning with their teams. Uh, and then I'm also going to, I still have some other posts that I'm going to do not long after that one. So be able to look out for a bunch of stuff with that. And then after sometime in the next, hopefully month, I'm going to have a really big one for the blog that I discussed. I think I discussed in the last episode, um, but I'll discuss that more as it's coming out. I'm really looking forward to that one as well. So before we get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees, uh, we'll discuss some uh, news stories. So I guess we got to start out with the biggest one, which is the Joe Rogan Spotify controversy. Um, so what I will say before this is that uh, one of the platforms that I do release this podcast on is Spotify. Uh, so while I try to not have any perceived biases by any means, uh, especially since I have do feel like I am kind of blunt with Spotify with a lot of things about it. Uh, still there, there is the possible, there is still some, there is the possibility for conflict of interest in that regard. So basically for those of you who, uh, have been living in a very blissful world and have missed this story, not only am I really, not only do I wish that I lived that life, but, uh, uh, for anyone who, uh, isn't really sure what happened or missed the story outright, uh, so Joe Rogan on his podcast, he had a doctor come on. Uh, they were discussing COVID nineteen, and they released several. They uh, they had from sev- promoting several um, misconceptions and falsities related to COVID and the vaccine. So after that, um, then Neil Young proceeded to uh, say that uh, either to tell Spotify to either remove him or to remove Joe Rogan. And, well, let's just say the decision was made and Neil Young's music is no longer on there. Uh, since then, several other musicians have uh, joined in. Um, the other members of uh, CSNY, so Crosby, Stills, and Nash have all ju- uh, jumped in and uh, also pulled their music off. Joni Mitchell has. India Ari has. Um, I, one alternative metal group had recently, maybe it was... I can't remember off the top of my head. I want to maybe it was failure. I don't remember for certain which group it was, so I don't want to say with certainty who it was. Um, but there are several artists who have pulled their music off Spotify. Uh, and since then, Spotify's stock has plummeted. And uh, Spotify, in turn, they have, uh, well, they haven't, they've been a little bit resistant to implement overhaul change saying that they didn't want to make massive changes just due to one individual but they uh that said they are they have said that they are going to add in an advisory on podcasts and it sounded like they're going to do that if covid is discussed at all um and joe rogan while he hasn't officially apologized he has said that uh in some ways seeming like he defended his actions but in some ways seeming like he uh would try to do better to not have that happen again. I thought I thought it was a statement that could go either way in that regard, but he said that he would try to get people from all sides uh and from opposing sides also. Um overall with this whole thing, I mean a lot of people are mad at Spotify for not taking the right action. Honestly, it's 
with it's for me my view of it is that Spotify botched this completely, but at the same time, I'm not surprised they acted the way they did because ultimately I expect businesses will only do will only make changes if it's in the best interest of their business and operate with the mindset of working in a way to uh to both in the short term and long term uh result in the highest profit possible. So I think that in particular with this case back when the stock plummeted, their shareholders you do have a lot of cases with shareholders that would be could be problematic. So at that point then it makes sense that they took action in that regard. And I mean, I know some people are still saying, yeah, but they should have done more. I'm not denying that. I'm just saying I'm not surprised that I, I'm in some ways, I'm a little bit surprised that even they took as much action as they did, but it, but I'm not totally just because of the way that uh, they're um, because of the fact it was impacting the bottom line. And is that cynical? Maybe, but I think it's more realistic rather than thinking that a company will do something just because it's right for for human good. Oftentimes, if a lot of companies do that, well, basically, if if companies are driven by doing what's right for people, uh, then a lot of times they file for bankruptcy. And if that's their main driving force. And sorry to put it that way, but honestly, that tends to be the case. Now, uh, in terms of, for me, I had contemplating boycotting Spotify. Um, I don't think I'm going to ultimately. And the big reason for that, as much as I want to show that I was really disappointed, that I really think that they totally botched that, this whole thing. And even still, I don't think that their solution is going to be enough because I think that, uh, because in that case, if they're just saying it in general with COVID, it's not necessarily specifying uh, things that have been proven incorrect, things that haven't been proven correct, things that aren't known to be untrue, true. I fear that the label will, ma the advisory will make it seem like as if all of that is together and as if to say that nothing is, and as if to imply that nothing is known about COVID, which as research has continued to come out, has shown that that's not true. So um, I ultimately don't think I'm going to boycott, though, for one reason and one reason only. And that's just because in terms of reviewing music, I think that's it's more difficult for me in my current position that I'm in to do it without Spotify. And I mean, I ideally I would love to because I think at this uh, stop you to stop doing it using Spotify to boycott it because I also think that uh, their their treatment of artists is horrible. It's known that it's one of the worst uh, revenue streaming things for artists in particular, and no money goes back to the artists pretty much. But at the same time, I know for me, it's more difficult for me to review music on other things. If I wasn't doing as much album reviewing as I was, then I would absolutely boycott it. But I think for me, I'm not, I don't think I'll be able to at that time just for that reason. Uh, the next story that we're going to go to uh, is uh, there is this company called Hitpiece that uh, has all these non-fungible tokens for related to different singles and album artwork that and all this went, was circulating on social media in the last few days but there was a catch 
a lot of artists who saw their work on there and said, no, that's we didn't give them permission to do that. <laughs> so um, turns out that uh, with all that, they got the all this music and all this material from uh, a Spotify API that they got the rights to. But even still, they didn't. Uh, the issue with that was that they didn't. Uh, they didn't get any rights for any any musician, which I think is, uh, a bit. It's dicey to say the least. Um, I think that uh, because in that case, I can't imagine that by putting music on Spotify. I don't know the exact contracts on it, but I can't imagine that putting music on Spotify that uh means that the artist has signed away the rights for Spotify to sell it to whomever they want without any artist say. I'd be surprised if that if that was included in contracts in that regard. So uh that said since then um there was uh for the uh, for the NFT content that was there uh they had the message quote we started the conversation and we're listening I, and it's no longer there um and it seems to be uh they seem to be responding to it they've also asserted that uh it's not a scam uh so i haven't heard much otherwise but uh we'll see what happens with that i yeah i think that's i'm i'm not in i'm not in love with all of that and this story was according to Pitchfork. Um, next up, so uh, the big game is coming up. Super Bowl is coming up on uh, in a, on the thir- February 13th. And uh, while they have already previously announced the halftime show, they've also announced other performers for it for the pregame stuff. Uh, Mickey Guyton is going to be performing the national anthem. Uh, Janae Aiko is going to be performing uh, America the Beautiful. Uh, Mary Mary and Yola is going to be are going to be doing lift every voice and sing, and then Zed will be serving as the pregame DJ. So I figured that will be uh that'll be really cool to see uh some amazing performers there. Um, Making Guidance amazing, so I think that's really cool to see. Janaiko has really exploded in the last few years in particular. I know she had been popular for at least fairly popular, but I think. It feels like her last album was massive, so I'm really excited. I'm really excited for all of them. Uh, and now let's go on. And now, while well, that last one was a little bit of good news, let's go on to some really, really good news. So, uh, the rapper Gunna, he has announced that he is teaming up with, uh, di- uh, some sustainable food waste management and hunger relief co- uh, companies, in particular, Gooder. To announce uh, to open a free grocery store at his former middle school in Atlanta, Robert E. McNair Middle School, um, and uh, they have all sorts of different foods and snacks. Uh, in particular, a bunch of his favorites. Uh, they also have fresh fresh produce. They have toiletries there. Uh, they have what they're calling the drip closet there, which has uh, different clothing and sneakers. Uh, and he had said that. Uh, in particular, quote, I didn't have life that good coming up. I-, I wasn't born with a lot of money. We weren't dirt poor, but we weren't rich. All I knew was struggle. My family taught me about saving and how to stretch to make ends meet. 
Uh, and uh, so I think that's uh, really amazing. And uh, the Gooder founder and CEO, Jasmine Crow, she had said for, like, the, for their collaboration, quote, I have the highest regard for Gunnar's uh, dedication to giving back to the community that raised him. Gooder and Gunnar have teamed for the greater good several times in the past couple of years. His commitment is inspiring. So I think that's absolutely amazing to hear uh, to hear that. Uh, that those kind of things make me so happy, and uh, especially to hear like uh, someone who I mean, Gunna has really become has is rapidly rising in hip hop. So I think that's so cool to see him still uh, being so passionate about helping out his community. I think that's amazing. Now, before we get into uh, the before we get into the nominees. Let's discuss a bunch of festival lineups. So, uh, first up, we'll have Movement Festival, which is an electronic festival in Detroit. It's May 28th through 30th. Uh, the artists they've announced in the first wave in alphabetical order are Adam Beyer, Anfisa Letigo, Anna, Floane, The Blessed Madonna, Carl Craig, uh, Claude Van Stroke, or Claude Van Stroke, rather, sorry, uh, DJ Minx, Drama, back-to-back uh, -back set of Eric Drew and uh, Octo Octa, back-to-back uh, -back set of Goldie and LTG uh, Bookham, James Murphy, Jeff Mills, Louis Vega, uh, Masho Plex, uh, Natasha Diggs, Nina Kravitz, uh, Paul Temple, Richie Houghton, and Sex Troxler, Seth Troxler. So uh, I think they have some pretty big names in uh, electronic music. Uh, Adam Byer, I think it's a really good one. Richie Houghton, same thing. Um, Jeff Mills is pretty popular uh, and has been. And I mean, he, it's this is also uh, going um, and uh, the apparently his set is also going to be uh, celebrating the uh, the uh, thirty years of his label Axis Records. Um, uh, Bless Madonna's rapidly rising. James Murphy has following. Uh, Nina Kravitz is also one that's rapidly rising. Um, Claude Van, Van Stroke, I think, is a really smart one. Uh, I think that uh, Getting Carl Craig is a really smart one. Um, he's, um, I mean, he's I, he's a he's a legend in uh Detroit techno. Um, so I think that uh those are some really good uh, some really good choices uh next up is watershed music festival and uh that's country music festival in george washington <laughs> i said name i love the name <laughs> every time it, it gets me good uh and that one's gonna be uh from july 29th through 31st uh headlining is morgan wallen miranda lambert and kane brown also performing is jake owen jordan davis chase rice Michael Ray, Dylan Scott, uh, Jesse James Decker, Lauren Elena, uh, Jameson Rogers, Runaway June, uh, Low Cash, Canil Towns, Canil uh, Arts, Kaylee Hammock, and some others. Uh, then there will be more that will be announced for that one. So uh, I think they did have some good choices. I think that in terms of the headliners, I think that uh, Lambert, is, she's huge in country music. I think Kane Brown, I wasn't sure whether he'd be like, Biggest name of festival, second, third biggest name, but uh, I mean they've had massive names on these festivals. Uh, like in particular, last year they had uh, 
sounds like they had scheduled Tim McGraw, Dirk Bentley, and Thomas Rhett, who are all really big. So I I think it's fair, totally fair having Kane Brown headlining. He's become a big name in country. Um, and I think the undercard has some good names. Uh, I think that uh, Jayco and Jordan Davis and Chase Rice do have a bunch of really popular songs. Um, Michael Ray, I think, is a good choice. Same thing with Jesse James Decker. Uh, Jameson Rogers as well. Um, Lauren Elena, I think, does have like some hits here and there. So I think, and like even some of the smaller ones, I think are good choices too. So I think overall they did have a bunch of good choices. Um, I will say though, I'm not sure like whether uh, every time I see Morgan Wallen doing a festival, I'm like, is how much backlash is there going to be with this festival? Because I, and I know he did apologize. Um, but at the same time, and I know his popularity still seemed to soar after that, but at the same time, I'm like, like, for instance, you look at uh, Red Old Oprah performance, and that got, that got, a, received a lot of criticism. So I hear that, and I just think I, is, I, I just am not sure, like, is that what's expected from these performances, or it, is everyone like ecstatic about it? I have no idea, honestly. So I'm, I'm not sure what to, what I, I mean, for me, um, maybe I'm just uh, overly cautious about it. I wouldn't book him for festivals at this time, just because I don't know about backlash. But I really, I don't know, honestly. Um. Now, to get to some other festivals quickly, before we get to the big star of the show uh, uh wilco has announced their 2022 solid sound festival which i believe often they try to do every other year it might be every year now but at one point it was every other year uh it's going to be in north adams massachusetts uh they'll they have it's on may 27th through 29th so the performers for this one include wilco normally they wind up doing two nights uh, for headlining. I'm not sure if they're going to do that this year or not. Um, but also Sylvan Esso, Japanese Breakfast, Bonnie Prince Billy, uh, Terry Allen, and the Panhandle Mystery Band, Jeff Tweedy and Friends, Sun Ra Orchestra, directed by Marshall Allen, uh, Ice Age, Hand Habits, uh, Namdi, Namdi, uh, Count Worms, uh, Angel Bat Dawid, Mike Watt and the Missing Men, Wiki, uh, Sam Evian, uh, Nels Klein, uh, some others they also have uh what's called john hodgman's comedy cabaret co-hosted with J uh, gene gray featuring negan farsad uh river butcher and nick offerman and then there are some other performers so i think they do have some solid choices um bonnie prince billy has a following uh sylvan esso has a following i think japanese breakfast i've said this before with other festivals i think now is the time to get them uh Jeff Tweedy is normally more than willing to do an additional set, so uh, so I think that's a good one. Ice Age has a following, same thing for Hand Habits. Uh, Wiki, I think, is a good call, too. Uh, I think Sun Ra Orchestra, Orchestra is one that probably won't get a lot of people being like, ooh, yay, but this is who we got. Not yay, but who, this, is, this is the hidden gem. I think it might be the hidden gem, actually. I think that's a really smart one. Um, yeah, I think overall they do have some good good ones. Um, I know typically they 
do have uh, on the night that when they do two headliners, they typically will do uh, one. Uh, the headliner on the other night will be a big name in indie music. Is that Sylvanesso? Are they a big enough name? I don't know. In indie, I'm not sure. Maybe, but I think overall they do have some uh, good acts for this one. Either way, uh, next up is Governor's Ball, and these are all set in no particular order, really, just the ones that I happened to come across in the screenshots I saved. So, uh, it'll be June 10th through 12th, and uh, New York City at City Field. Uh, headliners are going to be Kid Cudi, Halsey, and J Cole. On Friday, in addition to Kid Cudi, you also have Migos, Jack Harlow, Louis the Child, Black Pumas. Skepta, uh, Point 42, Maidon, JPEG Mafia, Viva Doobie, uh, Coyle Ray, Channel Trace, uh, Semia, uh, Alien AJ, Paris, Texas, and some others. On Saturday, in addition to Halsey, you have Flume, Roddy Rich, Joji, Still Woozy, Ash Nico, YG, Chelsea Cutler, Tovlo, Dental Curry, Diesel, which is uh, Shaquille O'Neal's DJ project. Uh, yes, that's an actual thing. <laughs> um, Gus Dapperton, Benny, Peachtree Rascals, the Teskey Brothers, and some others. And on Sunday, in addition to J. Cole, you have Playboy, Playboy Cardi, Glass Animals, Katronada, uh, Claro, Becky G, Jasmine Sullivan, 100 Jacks, Japanese Breakfast, Jetty, Coin, Soccer Mommy, Surf Curse, Duckworth, and some others. So, first off, I'm not quite certain about the headliners here. And here's what the thing. I think that, yes, there are big names. But I think that in recent years, Governor's Ball really has seemed to, uh, in the last probably five years or so, maybe a little bit longer, Governor's Ball has really seemed to have uh, entered like the same class as some bigger festivals. Because typically, I, might, I probably have described this at some point on the podcast, so apologies if I've discussed this and you've heard it before and it's repetition, but... If you haven't, uh, I typically will, with different festivals, will rate the size and scale of the festival in terms of one to five, whereas like one is a festival that's like effectively a local festival that has like no notable names. And then like, for instance, if you have like w even one artist with a Wikipedia page, it might jump up to 1.5, for instance. Uh, and then five is like, for instance, uh, Coachella, Lollapalooza, uh, Bonnaroo, like those kind of festivals. And Governor's Ball has entered the category of five. And I think that J. Cole, yes, absolutely, that makes sense for the headliner. But Halsey and Kid Cudi, for a festival that I would say is a five, I don't know whether they it would make more sense for them as the biggest name on a day or the second biggest name on a day. And I know that might just be nitpicking there, but I... As insane as it sounds, I do think it does make a difference in that regard. Uh, that said, they'll still draw crowds. Um, I think that a bunch of the undercard bands, like they're, uh, like the, in particular, the second and third biggest names on each day, I think are really smart. For instance, uh, Migos and Jack Harlow, for instance, I think it's brilliant. Friday, uh, Fl Flume, I think as the second biggest name is wild. Even if, if I see a festival even having him headline one day, I wouldn't bat an eye even though he might not be at that same level as some of these other big-name headliners. Uh, I think, like, Playboy Cardi, Glass Animals is really rapidly rising. And then even after that bunch of the acts, I think K. Trinata get getting him is so smart. Same thing with Claro. Uh, 
I think in general, Sunday just seemed like such a deep day. Cause I mean, even like Jasmine Sullivan on the second line of the undercard, that seemed, that's insane. She, cause she's had an amazing year. And I mean, like even the artist ahead of her makes sense. Like even like Playboy Cardi, Glass Animals, Kitchenada, Claro, and Becky G has also really seemingly really exploded. Um, and then I mean, like on the other days also, I think like getting Joji and Still Woozy, they really are big. Uh, like uh online on social media, uh, etc. So I think getting those ones, I wasn't sure going into these this festival season how high they would be on the fest on these festivals, but now like, I can see Joji is like the third or fourth biggest name on some massive festivals and like still woozy like higher up and i'm like okay i mean it makes sense uh and then like uh i think like for instance uh like black pumas i think is a really smart one lewis child smart one uh made on that's another one that's really smart uh denzel curry as far down as he is that's wild um yeah i think that they made a lot of really smart ones um hidden gem on this one because i've been seemingly saying that with each one probably use this one for other ones but i think soccer mommy might be i think because she is uh i uh, she is growing so i think that's a really smart one there um next festival we'll discuss is rock fest so that one's in Cato, wisconsin on july 14th through 16th uh fun fact that doesn't relate to this festival first day is my mom's birthday so happy birthday mom not like you not that you're a fan of this kind of music uh, and they also have a uh, bonus day for the 13th, which uh, is for three-day ticket holders. Uh, this one's a little bit different because normally for three-day festivals, you have it as Friday through Sunday. This one is Thursday through Saturday, which I haven't seen often. I'm not sure if I have seen that. I think I might have before. But anyways, uh, the headliner, because they have it, it looks like the way they did it. I believe that they have it as they have two artists listed there. I think one is bigger text than the other one, but I'll just say both at the same time. Uh, on Thursday, you have Disturbed and then Lamb of God. On Friday, you have Evanescence and then Hailstorm. Saturday, you have Shine Down and then Mudvayne. And I'll get to the Wednesday after all that. Uh, on Thursday, in addition to Disturbed and Lamb of God, you have Theory of a Dead Man, Avatar, Hatebreed, Aaron Jones, Spirit Box, uh, Nita Strauss, Fire from the Gods, Dead. And some others on uh, Friday, in addition to Evanescence and Hailstorm, you have The Pretty Reckless, Nothing More, Black Veil Brides, Escape the Fate, Butcher Babies, John Five, Volumes, Rachel Lauren, and others. And then on Saturday, in addition to Shine Down and Mudbane, you have Jelly Roll, Skillet, Motionless and White, Star Set, Shaman's Harvest, uh, From Ashes to New, All Good Things, The Warning, and others. On the Wednesday bonus bash, you also have uh warrant live forward uh firehouse otherwise islander versus me uh Par paralandra and saint laval i think overall um the headliners i think are actually really good choices for those um even like for the first two days uh i think that uh uh i think that for instance uh like disturbed is even like disturbed and lamb of god in the same day is massive um i i mean because i wouldn't bet an eye for instance if uh if for uh for instance you were to have uh 
like Lamb of God headlining one of those other days. Um, and even still, that's not to discredit the other headliners there. That's just, I think that's just a huge day. Um, and then Evan has the Hailstorm. I think that's a really smart one because the two of them are doing a co-headline tour together. So this one, since you're able to get both of them, it's as if you're doing like a jacked up kind of uh, tour, uh, tour for day for them. Uh, and then uh, I think Shinedown is huge in hard hard rock music. So I think that one's a really smart one. Uh, and then Mudvayne, since they did recently reunite, a bunch of people have been really, really, really excited about that. So I think that that was a smart booking as well. Um, I think the Friday, there's, I think that one feels pretty deep. I mean, in particular, uh, the Pretty Reckless and Nothing More both on there, I think is really smart. Blackfoot Brides, because they did previously tour with Nothing More. Uh, getting them, I think, is a good idea. Um, I will say the other days, I feel like there's a bit more of a drop-off between them uh i think that i'm surprised to see for instance theory of a De dead man as the third biggest name on thursday maybe i'm maybe part of that is just because of how uh of how many hit ho hit songs they had for hard rock music but even still i i might be overestimating i mean underestimating them but i thought they really did fall off or like have a big fall off uh, in popularity recently um and then, I mean, on Sunday, for, I mean, Saturday, rather, I'm so used to saying the Sunday, um, Saturday, uh, I mean, because, I mean, like, they do have Skillet, though, uh, recently, they, just with a bunch of controversial comments, they have seemingly been, like, a, a fire rod for controversy, and then, I mean, with Motionless and White and Star Set, it's like, they do have followings, but it's like, just how popular are they at this point? I'm really not sure. Um, maybe not like third biggest name on a day, maybe not as popular as Skillet, but even still, uh, and then Jelly Roll, I'm a little bit surprised to see him as high up. I know he did have a song that was popular on like hard rock mainstream rock radio, but a little bit surprised to see him that high up. Uh, that said, I, they did have like some smart booking. I, I think that for instance, Butcher Babies, I think is smart. Uh, Hate Braid, I think is a good one. Same for like Fire from the God, uh, Near Strauss and Dead. I mean, they had like Friday, Thursday has so many smart bookings. Uh, and then From Ashes to New It and Shaman's Revenge, I think, are both smart ones because they do have followings. But I think the hidden gem, in my opinion, is easily Spirit Box. They just released their debut album, huge commercial and critical success. So I think getting them for uh, a smaller act in that festival really is massive. Next one that we'll discuss is. Sunset Music Festival, Electronic Music Festival in Tampa, Florida. Um, they, uh, it's on uh, May 27th through 29th. And uh, they've announced Phase 1, which has a bunch of artists. This one, I'm just going to, because they're listed in alphabetical order, but they have a bunch of artists. So I'm just going to say them as I see them here. Uh, Diplo. Borjor, um, Boogie T, Bonnie X Clyde, Duke Dumont, Gorgon City, Iman Beck, Liquid Stranger, Sidepiece, Valentino Khan, Dylan Francis, Rechno, um, Peekaboo, uh, DJ set by Pauline Her, uh, Atlians, Blank, 
Arm and Hammer, a bunch of others. So yeah, I think that they have some really big names. Uh, Diplo's huge. Duke Dumont has a following. Dylan Francis, I think, is a really smart one as well. He definitely has a following. Uh, Iman Beck, I think, is still a good good call. Oh, one that I missed. That's another one that I think is a really good one. Uh, Griffin doing a DJ set. I think that one's really smart. Liquid Stranger, I think, is absolutely brilliant to do that, um, to book. Um, yeah, I think they made some really good choices in that regard. Uh, Peekaboo as well. I think it's smart. I think it's a side piece. Um, and, uh, and to think that the lineup isn't even done yet, I think that's crazy to see. Now, to move on to another... Uh, another festival uh another electronic festival rather uh north coast festival so that one's gonna be on uh labor day weekend so september 2nd through 4th it's in chicago uh the they've announced the first wave so uh the headliners and closing out uh for, are going to be armin van buren on friday Eladium on Saturday and Porter Robinson on Sunday. And then for the what they're calling the canopy stage, the closers for that one are gonna be Fisher, Diplo, and Catronata. And then the other acts include Griffin, Jai Wolf, Seven Lions, uh Slander, Chami Amali, uh Sun and Death presents uh Vovid. I think that's what it says. A little bit letters a little bit faded together there. Um, and then a bunch of others, including Dioro, Jason Ross, uh, Must Die, Trifecta, Lou Phelps, and others. Yeah, I think they had some really smart ones there. Uh, the names that are closing out at Armin Viburn's massive, Aladium's huge, Porter Robinson is also really big. So I think those three are really good calls. Uh, I think Fisher is a smart one as well. Catronada, I mentioned him in a previous festival. I think that one's really smart. Uh, same thing with Griffin. Um, Seven Lions, I think, is a brilliant one. Um, Must Die, I think, is a really smart one as well. I think that they have they have some pretty big and exciting names. And uh, I think it'll be wild to see the future names that are announced. Next festival we'll discuss is... Uh, Broccoli City Festival. This one's going to be in uh, Washington, D.C. It's going to be uh, May 7th through 8th. So, uh, on the on May 7th, they have 21 Savage, Arli Ari Lennox, Lil Dirk, Wale, Rico Nasty, Jeezy, Larry June, Joyce Rice, and uh, Money Long. And these are what they've announced so far. They did say that more are going to be performing. And then on Sunday, they have Summer Walker, Wizkid, Gunna, Don Tolliver, Thames, Masigo, Baby Babyface Ray, Alex Vaughn, and Junie. I think that they made some really smart choices. Uh, um, one thing to note is that Wale, actually, since they announced the festival, has announced that he's pulling out of the lineup. He... I don't know if an official reason was given. Um, some people, were, he did say it wasn't because he's not headlining, um, which some people figured it was, but still. Um, I think that getting Toronto Savage and like Summer Walker, for instance, as biggest names for that one are really good ideas. Um, Ari Lennox, uh, she's 
she's gotten pretty big and i think that hurt um especially in the last year it seemed like she's gotten pretty popular so i think that's really cool for her a uh, little jerk i think is a good call rico nasty i think is a really underrated selection uh jeezy i think it's smart too uh Wizkid, it's interesting to see just how much he's exploded and to get tabs in the same day i think that's really smart uh gonna i know i was discussing him earlier he's absolutely exploded um don Tolliver is pretty popular too they have a lot of acts that i think are really smart because it's not going to be like one of those festivals that i would necessarily say is like from the one to five quiz of five but still i think that for with uh even with that i think that they made some great choices for uh this festival now uh two more left uh we have hinterland which is gonna be in iowa i don't know the exact location but it's uh august 4th through 7th Headliner each day. Thursday, there's Billy Strings. Friday, Glass Animals. Saturday, Nathaniel Ratliff and the Night Sweats. On a Sunday, Phoebe Bridges. On a Thursday, in addition to Strings, you have uh, Sierra Farrell, The Texas Gentleman, Riddy Arman. And then on Friday, in addition to Glass Animals, you have uh, Rainbow Kitten Surprise, The Aces, Briston Maroney, Goth Babe, Petey, and Dioclor. On Saturday, in addition to Ratliff and the Night Sweats, you have Lake Street Dive, Trampled by Turtles, Jenny Lewis, Duran Jones, The Indicators, uh, TK and the Hol Holy Know Nothings, Jesse Daniel, and Nico Mars. And on Sunday, in addition to Bridgers, you have Kurt Vile, The Violators, Lucy Dacus, Mo uh, Muna, The Aubreys, Liz Cooper, Trey Burt, The Colonel, and Hayden Padigo. I think that those are some really smart choices. I think the headliners they got, because this is, again, not going to be a festival that's like a five out of five kind of thing. Like in terms of the one to five with how big the names are. But at the same time, I think the acts that they got are really smart ones because each of those does have followings. Billy Strings is big in jam music. Glass Animals has absolutely exploded in the last year or two. Uh, then Rayliff, he has a big following in rock. Phoebe Rogers has a really dedicated following. And even like the other acts they have, Rainbow Kitten Surprise is one that I wouldn't bat an eye. I know they have a bunch of fans. I wouldn't bat an eye if eventually they, in the next even five years, they have people that, if people aren't doing this already, maybe 10 years, but if people are like, start following them around the country. Um, Lake Street Dive has a big following. Same thing with Trampled by Turtles. Uh, Jenny Lewis, uh, Duran Jones that is starting to get a following too. Um, Kurt Vile, I think, is a really smart one. Lucy Dacus, I think, is really cool having her on the same day as Phoebe Bridgers. Uh, I think that, for instance, like, Bristol Baroni is also a really smart one. Same thing with Goth Babe. So overall, I think they made some really smart choices with their, uh, with the festival all around. And the last one is Incarceration, uh, <laughs> festival that the name always gets me so good. It's a music and tattoo festival that takes place at the Ohio State Reformatory. Best known as being the prison in Shawshank Redemption, one of my all-time favorite movies. Uh, it's going to take place July 15th through 17th. Uh, and uh, headliners for each day, Friday, Korn, Saturday, Breaking Benjamin, Sunday, Disturbed. Uh, big names on the other days. On Friday, Ninja Cornea, Papa Roach, and Three Days Grace. Saturday, you have, uh, in addition to Breaking Benjamin, you have Evanescence, Falling in Reverse. Sunday, in addition to Disturbed, you have Lamb of God and Seether. Um, other acts they have on Friday include I Prevail, an act that has not been announced yet, Sleeping with Sirens, Code Orange, Lacuna, Co uh, Lacuna Coil, 
from Ashes to New, Born of Osiris, Dead, and Others. On Saturday, other names they have include Black Label Society, Theory of a Dead Man, Avatar, Spirit Box, Saint Sonia, Aaron Jones, Volumes, and Others. And on Sunday, you also have Blackville Brides, Jelly Roll, Nothing More, Ten Years, Sick Puppies, John Five, Butcher Babies, uh, Fire from the Gods, Veil of Maya, Gemini Syndrome, and some others. So this festival, uh, it's so this one was re uh, I re more recently had uh was being done by Danny Warren Presents. Maybe it was a collaboration with them. They also do like Epicenter and a bunch of other festivals. Um, I think that uh, they uh, I think that they normally this one isn't as big as some of the other festivals they do in part because it's also a tattoo festival. Um, but this year I think it's a really it does have a really good lineup for it. Um, like getting both. I mean, this is another one that Disturbed and Lamb of God on the same day. That's wild. Um, and then also, like, I mean, Corn. that's a... If you have them for Metal Festival and they're not headlining, that's wild. Uh, Breaking Benjamin. Yeah, that's a... That's a, I, that's a believable act for a headlining. Maybe for a lot of their other festivals, they would be, like, the second biggest name on a day. Maybe the third biggest name on a day. But I think seeing them as, the big, as a headliner for this festival, I think that's fine. I think that's fair. Um, I think Evanescence is a really smart book. Uh, Papa Roach, I think, is another one that I think is so smart. Uh, I Prevail, I think, is brilliant. Um, this book, Code Orange, is rapidly rising. Uh, Sleeping with Siren still has a solid following. Um, Falling Reverse, I'm a little bit surprised to see them as high as they are, but at the same time, they do, they do have their popularity still. Um, Black Label Society has following still. Um, I mean, a bunch of these acts are like acts that still do have followings that I think are smart ones to book. Um, again, Spirit Box, I think, is an absolutely brilliant one because they really exploded with their debut album. But yeah, I think overall, I think that's a solid choice. Now, after all that, we're finally going to get on to uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees. So for 2022, there were so I'm recording this on uh the third. They were announced yesterday on the second. So uh then there are 17 nominees, and uh what I will say is that there seems to be, in my opinion, there's three surprises with it. One of them is one that everyone is talking about. One of them is one that I think is the bigger surprise, and then there's one that. I think I'm not too surprised by. I wasn't sure how this would go anyways. So the nominees for this year, there are 17 nominees. They are Beck, Pat Benatar, Kate Bush, Devo, Duran Duran, uh, Dolly Parton, Eminem, Eurythmics, Judas Priest, Fela Kuti, MC5, New York Dolls, Lionel Richie, A Tribe Called Quest, Rage Against the Machine, Carly Simon, and Dionne Warwick. Now, the one that everyone's talking about is Dolly Parton because the big question is she's rock? And um <laughs> I'll get into her more when I discuss that one. Um I was surprised. I can't say I've ever really considered her rock necessarily. Um I've always 
I mean, because she is country musician. And, um, but what I will say, though, is that with country music, I figured that it would only be a matter of time before we got the debate about country music, especially with, like, a lot of artists uh, in cut with uh, country music having a lot of crossover between country, rock, and pop in, like, the last 20 years in particular. So I thought that there would be an artist that it would only be a matter of time before they were nominated that would uh, start the debate. I was honestly kind of expecting that it would be Carrie Underwood that would start the debate. Maybe another artist would come around the same time, um, but I thought that Carrie Underwood felt like the one that, if no one else did until she did, then it would be her. Interesting to see being Darlie Parton because I thought that uh, in terms of musically, I thought uh, in terms of history of country, I thought it was going to be an artist that an artist that wasn't and that was more, or that was like an artist that started in a later period. Uh, but that said, I mean, there I figure that this that country music debate would come up at some point. Now, for the thing that I really think is the uh, bigger surprise, and the one that I think that is more notable than even uh, Dolly Parton getting a nomination, is. We don't have Shaka Khan, Rufus, or Rufus featuring Shaka Khan. So no Shaka Khan in any iteration. The reason that that's a shock is because the last time that uh we didn't have uh, we didn't have this happen was 2015 because Shaka Khan was nominated 2016, 2017, 2021. Uh Rufus or Rufus featuring Shaka Khan was uh 2012 and then 2018 2019 2020 and it really has been for like the last several years the epitome of we really want shaka khan in the rock and roll hall of fame in some way or another and they just keep trying and trying to nominate her and it just makes me laugh so hard and there are certain arts that they do this with like chic they kept doing that with um craft work until they induct them as an early influence um MC5, who I'm going to be discussing soon. Uh, they, there have been a bunch of artists they keep doing that with. Uh, so I, it seemed like in the last several years that uh, that uh, some iteration of of Rufus or Shaka Khan would get a nomination. Uh, so that it, that's been my what made my predictions. That's been my lock, my one lock every year. Uh, so I didn't make any predictions. Uh, for the nominees, the biggest reason is because I outright forgot about to forgot to do it, <laughs> leading up to it, uh, and then I saw that I'm like, oh, okay. Either way, I wouldn't have gotten a lot of these anyways. I wouldn't have predicted like Parton. I don't know who I would have predicted for sure. Um, but yeah, so and then I think the probably the smallest surprise here that I was wondering how this would pan out was uh, that uh, the only artist nominated for the uh that's eligible for the first time rather is that was nominated is eminem and normally they nominate two artists who are eligible for the first time uh i mean this year i thought that the nominee would be if they were to do a second one it would be fiona apple but even then there were other artists i thought were chance um it will i i mean matchbox 20 and in sync erica badu uh Bell and Sebastian and uh, Fatboy Slim were probably the ones that 
one of the biggest names out of those. But at the same time, if it wasn't Fiona Apple, I probably would have guessed that it would have been a Matchbox Twenty. But still, ultimately, they did not. They didn't do another one, but they did have several first-time nominees. Uh, which there are seven first-time nominees, which are who are uh, Beck, Duran Duran, Eminem, Dolly Parton, Lionel Richie, Carly Simon, and A Tribe Called Quest. So now let's discuss each artist in a little bit of detail. So uh, Beck, he's uh, really big in alternative music uh, and did have a lot of like experimentation within that and uh, really has been... Uh, praised by uh, received a lot of praise while a lot of there are a lot of people that in publications that uh peg him as a one-hit wonder um my response would be okay technically if you're saying like one top 40 hit for instance which is how i define it yes he is a one-hit wonder but at the same time i mean he has several top 10 albums for instance uh a lot of hit albums so I think that saying he's a one-hit wonder, I don't think in that regard really necessarily defines him, especially because with alternative music, you don't necessarily, especially with how eclectic his music is, the fact that he got one hit is wild even. Um, he's most known for his one-hit loser, but he has uh, several acclaimed albums. Uh, Odelay might be his best one. That's my favorite one by him. Uh, masterpiece of an album. Uh, but then also Sea Change has received acclaim. Uh, Midnight Vultures uh, was acclaimed when it was released. Although a lot of... Uh, though there are some critics that have really grown to hate it since. Um, Mutations had gotten really good reviews as well. Um Morning Phase ended up winning Album of the Year when, uh, uh, in the year that it was nominated. And they had us have several albums that other albums that were, uh, positively reviewed Goro, uh, The Information, um, Modern Guilt. Basically, it's like name an album by him, and it got at the minimum good reviews from critics. Uh, and then he does have a bunch of singles that are well-known and alternative. Um, in addition to Loser, you have uh, Where It's At, Devil's Haircut, New Pollution, all from Odelay. Ended up getting a bunch of airplay. Uh, his song Jackass also ended up uh, ch uh, charting on the Billboard 200. Um, later on, E-Pro Girl, um, Lost Cause, uh, Sex Laws, uh, Nausea, Gamma Ray, and then more recently, Dreams, Wow, Up All Night, and Colors All, and also Saw Lightning also ended up with Radio Wear Play. So, yeah, I think that overall, I think that he is really influential alternative music. Um, I'm slightly surprised to see him not nominated to him now, but at the same time, he was a bit eclectic, so I always wonder how eclectic musicians are going to go with that. Uh, next up, Pat Benatar. Uh, she was a big name in hard rock music in particular, um, especially with from years, and then she also crossed over into uh, pop music and pop rock. 
and uh really for good chunk of like the 70s and 80s she was a really popular name uh and especially with the rock and roll hall of fame seemingly trying to induct more female rock stars uh pat benatar i mean saying she's a rock star is i'd say that especially with a lot of her earlier hits yeah that's a fair way of describing it um and uh she her most known albums include crimes of passion uh get nervous precious time in the heat of the night and uh some others uh her biggest hit singles for hard rock include uh hidden with your best shot uh though that one's a bit more power pop but i'm pop rock um heartbreaker uh uh you better run treat me right fire and ice uh shadows of the night was uh another one and then she uh started uh crossing over into uh pop rock as well um so like for instance love is a battlefield is uh uh, was one that she found a lot of success with doing that. Um, we Belong ended up also being a really big hit as well. Uh, same thing with like Invincible, um, which was a little bit clo uh, closer to back to hard rock, um, but a little more rock based. Um, but yeah, she did have several hits. And I mean, from like in like the seven late seventies to mid eighties. She was huge. Uh so and even like had some hits into like the late eighties well and even in like the nineties still had like some rock hits. So I think that uh she really is uh she really is a big name and a lot of fans were hoping that uh seemed to hope that she gets in. So it I I think it's a fair choice. Uh next up is Kate Bush. Every year she gets nominated, I so hope that she gets in. I don't put money on it though just because uh a couple reasons first off how many art pop artists have gotten in uh an answer the answer for that is uh not many uh and then uh there are some and also how many artists that are huge in the uk but not as big in the u.s have gotten in there are some but even still how many females in that case have and the answer is, <laughs> well, um, Kate Bush, uh, she's really influential in uh, not only art rock and alternative, but also in uh, pop music even. Several musicians have cited her as a major influence, uh, including, but not limited to, Regina Spector, Ellie Goulding, Charlie XCX, Tegan and Sarah, Katie Long, uh, Lang, uh, Erasure, Kate Nash. Uh, who actually did cover one of her big songs, uh, Goldfrapp, Rosalia, uh, Bat for Lashes, um, Divine Comedy, Grimes, uh, Solange, no, uh, Stephen Wilson, Bjork, Tori Amos, Annie Lennox, who we'll get to in a little bit, uh, Florence Welsh from Florence and the Machines, Little Boots, Cocteau Twins, Twins, uh, Ditto, Sky Ferreria, St. Vincent, Fiona Apple, who 
<laughs> Ironically, if Fiona Apple had been nominated, I wouldn't have expected Kate Bush to be nominated. Lily, uh, Lily Allen, big boy. Um, Stevie Nicks, who just got in. And uh, Courtney Love. And the Block Party. Tricky. Suede. I mean, so many. Uh, Rufus Wainwright. So many massive names have cited uh, have cited her as, influ- as an influence. And she has several releases that are critical acclaimed. Uh, whether like for singles, albums, uh, her uh debut, her debut album, the uh, the kick inside, uh, ended up getting pretty well reviewed. Um, Hounds of Love found a lot of really positive reviews and is still acclaimed. Um, Lionheart is another one that uh, well, in mixed reviews. Uh, it was pretty popular, uh, and I mean, she still, uh, she like I mean, she still has a bunch of albums that end up being, uh, pretty big in the, the UK in particular, uh, and then in terms of uh her. Of her singles, uh, Wuthering Heights, her debut single, that one was critically acclaimed upon release um it seemed like it was instantly people knew that this one could be a massive song um and it ended up it ended up topping the charts in the UK um and uh, it ended up uh peaking just outside the the top 100 at 108 um she ended up having several other top 10 songs in the UK her only her top only top forty hit in the U.S. was "Running Up That Hill," which an amazing song. Um, but even beyond that, she the reason that I think that she absolutely should get in is because I consider her to be one of the best songwriters of all time, and in particular, I because I do have my big three female songwriters, and those are Carol King, who just got inducted last year, uh, Kate Bush who's been nominated a couple times and then Tracy Chapman who she has never been nominated it, I wouldn't bat an eye if eventually she does get nominated as well so I really think that Kate Bush should get in but that said I'm not holding my breath next one Devo so this is another interesting one because there's the third artist that in a, in, according to my definition of one hit wonders Devo would be on it because Whip It is their one big hit and I mean there there's a case to be made that are they really only known for Whip It and uh, for their debut album, which is like a legendary album, especially in like uh, post-punk and new wave. And I think that there were times in my life where I was like, eh, yeah, I'm not sure about their case. Now I'm considering it a little bit more. I have considered it more seriously in the last few months um, for a few reasons. Uh, first off, they were incredibly influential in uh in the development of several genres, uh, including alternative music, new wave were really influential in that. Uh, and then even they had some influence in industrial music. Uh, also, they had multiple critically acclaimed releases. Uh, they were, uh, uh, they have been really known with their touring and uh, really were, uh, did a lot with like experimenting and were also influential in the development of the of the music video. So uh 
well, they uh, their most well their most critically acclaimed album was their debut album, uh, "Are We Not Men? We Are Devo." Uh, they also did have some other albums that were popular. Uh, "Freedom of Choice" uh, has gotten good reviews, um, but it was popular. That one uh, featured Whip It on it, and then their other popular one was the new traditionalist though that one didn't get great reviews uh and even their last album something for everybody which was released in 2010 uh got great reviews and ended up being another their third album that charted in the top 40 uh and then they had multiple songs that wound up uh uh charting on the billboard charts um their song working their cover song working on the coal mine just missed 40 just missed the top 40 Speaking at 43, uh, Steve from Dr. Detroit peaked at 59. They had several other songs that were just outside the top 100, but were on like the bubbling under charts. Uh, Whip It, of course, was their biggest hit. That one hit number 14. Overall, I really do think that there is a serious case to be made for them being in, which I think last year I was a little bit le- I was a little bit uh less enthusiastic about it this year i really do think that uh there is a serious case for them as a hall of famer um next up duran duran so this is one that they had been rumored for the last couple of years i think that there were some acts that had been mentioned at times as like they seem like the next one up kind of thing duran duran i was hearing a bunch about them being potentially nominated this year so i was not surprised to see them nominated um they're an interesting one because uh they were really in because they uh started out as a popular synthwave group i mean not synthwave new wave group rather but then as new wave started to fade out and become less popular they easily transitioned into synth pop and were really popular in that so uh their most acclaimed album would be rio uh really good album their uh debut album also was pretty popular although uh not as well reviewed as Rio, but then again, also still positively reviewed. And they had uh several other albums that were uh really popular. Uh they uh uh they consistently were uh getting top uh top ten, top twenty albums in the UK. And then they also had some several albums that charted the top ten in the US. Uh even some of their recent albums were also uh popular and had good reviews as well uh then for their singles some people might hear them and just think oh hungry like a wolf yes that that was one song they did but they had several other top 10 hits in the u.s particular um as well as more in the uk uh some of their top hit hits include the reflex which hit number one wild boys which is number two but then also you have a uh, Union of the Snake. Um, a View to Kill actually was another number one hit. I forgot about that one. Uh, Union of the Snake. Um, is there something I should know? Uh, and then even like Into the 90s, Ordinary World and Come Undone also did. And uh, even like in the UK, they had a top 10 hit in the 2000s even with uh, Reach Up for the Sunrise. So I think that with uh, their... And really, they uh, in terms of new wave they uh there have been several important bands and popular bands in new wave that have gotten in uh and uh i think that 
Devo is one that hasn't yet. And Duran Duran is another big one. And then in terms of synth pop, they uh they seem to be they seem to be seriously considering synth pop more in recent years. And I mean there are several big names in synth pop and I think that uh Duran Duran is well they I think they were one of the more popular ones. So I think they're another one that does have a serious case. Now we get to the one that puzzled everyone with Dolly Parton. Um, so I think with her, th here's the thing with this one. Some people, I know a lot of people with rap hip hop music, they'll look at it and say, oh no, that's a, that's not rock, that's rap. Well, look, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has uh, made, established the precedent that Hip hop music is is uh is considered in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, so in that case, I don't get why people still complain about this. That I think that it's interesting how you don't get as many people complaining about the hip hop artists that are nominated because this year because Dolly Parton's presence is just throwing everyone off. I think, and I think for me, do I think Dolly Parton is rock? No, I really don't. I was surprised to see her on the ballot because I've never considered her rock. I know some people are like, well, she did have some country rock. Yeah, she did have some crossover into that. But honestly, I still think that country is a better definition, and I, for, especially for the majority of her career. If she did sway into other genres, I would say country pop more than country rock, for instance. Uh, according to Wikipedia, her the genres listed are country, country pop, bluegrass, and gospel. Neither of those, or none of those, are really ones that scream rock, rock and roll hall fame. Now, that said, in my opinion, if an artist is included on the ballot, now I don't have a vote, but if an artist is included on the ballot, if I were to have a vote, I would just say, okay, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominating committee has deemed them rock for the sake of this election. In that case, I. I would vote on them as if they were a, as if they were a, a rock musician of any other genre, and determine their influ and determine their influence in uh, music, and rock. So, I think that that's probably the bit only thing that would that you would say like, is Dolly Parton a rock and roll hall of famer? Isn't her qualifications for her and her career how popular she was? The only thing holding her back in that case is people will be saying, is she rock, and I mean. If this was the Country Hall of Fame, which she's already been inducted in, then she'd be a no problem first ballot. And now, I mean, she is a cultural icon. She has found success as a musician, as a songwriter as well, um, as instrumentalist, uh, as a in acting, uh, writing, the a lot of humanitarian work. It's a business. Uh, it does seem like every walk of life she has success in, and every really she is just such a beloved figure now um i mean even she her first album was released in the 60s and uh she uh i mean she had some country success then uh she didn't have her first top 40 album came with here you come again in 77 and then she had uh the first top 10 album uh in an album 
problem with Emily Harris and Linda Ronstadt. Um, but her singles were more pop, and then she didn't have another top ten album until 2014 with Blue Smoke. Um, but uh, her sing- she had a bunch of popularity with singles. Her uh, first single was released in '59. Um, she had some success with uh, so, uh and the country charts. Um, in the '60s, had uh her first top 100 hit with Jolene, which uh was a re- which was a a legendary song at this point easily. Um, and then she also actually um. Well, uh, one of her biggest contributions to music, humorously enough, is being the writer of "I Will Always Love You," which, of course, now is uh, really well known for uh, uh, for being Whitney Houston's possibly uh, <laughs> um, uh, like most known song, uh. But then she had her first top ten hit with "Here You Come Again." Uh, her n- big time number one hit with Nine to Five," which was hugely successful. She had so many songs that were really big as well: "Baby I'm Burning," uh, Two Doors Down," "Heartbreaker," um, "Sweet Summer Lovin'," um, "Real Duel," "A Real Love." I, I managed to, I managed to read, which was done with Kenny Rogers. I managed to read this line. Real love duet with Kenny Rogers instead turned into real duel. Um, but yeah, she's had several hits. Um, I think ultimately, will she get in? I don't know. I really do think that uh, it will come down. The big question is, will it come? To, it that will come down to is, do enough people think that she's rock? And the thing, the thing is, there is precedent here. Um, two notable. There have been several artists that it's like, are they rock? That have gotten in. Uh, Muddy Waters is the first example that comes to mind in 1987 i've never i've i've always considered him a bit pre-rock although there are people that have considered him rock um but then two noble ones miles davis though he did have some crossover into uh some rock-based genres uh especially in this uh want to say late 60s into the 70s so uh and then uh the big one in my opinion is neo simone uh i would consider her more traditional pop jazz vocalist uh, and she ended up getting in a couple of years ago, so or a few years ago now. So I think that uh, that that precedent has been set. So it's entirely possible that she gets in. Um, so I go to the one that seems like the lock, Eminem. His first year of eligibility. Um, I mean, really, he is known as one of the uh, best rappers of all time. Um, probably, I would say that he is potentially the first well the first uh white rapper who was taken serious popular white rapper who was taken seriously because i mean he wasn't the first popular white rapper beastie boys came before him but really beastie boys do you think they were taken seriously um and then like uh you had like vanilla ice but he was really viewed as a novelty act more so i think uh until he beca- until he wasn't popular anymore, where he shifted back to his roots with hardcore hip hop, and then uh, I mean, then you did have like a lot of like rap rock artists, but 
I mean, I think Eminem really changed the game in that regard. Uh, he, and I mean, it's interesting also because he started out his career with like a bunch of horrorcore and even like comedy rap songs. Um, and, uh, and I mean, he has generated lots of controversy throughout his career, but at the same time, I mean, he is so well regarded in music. Um, he has several albums that are highly well regarded. Um, his second album, the Slim Shady and Big Breakthrough, uh, the Slim Shady LP, uh, that one, uh, that one has, has been well regarded. Um, Marshall Mathers LP, uh, that one is considered a masterpiece in hip hop by a lot of people. Um, even like, for instance, uh, the Eminem show also has, uh, gotten real, it's been really well reviewed. Uh, and there are, a, there are a lot of people who, uh, have argued that that's his best album as well. Um, and then also like Francis, like recovery was really popular one. Marshall Mathers LP was also one that found a lot of critical acclaim as well and got some really positive reviews. Uh, and then in terms of a single, he has singles. He has several hit songs. Um, S Stan, I think, is I think I would say Stan is his best song. Um, that one's an absolute masterpiece. Uh, but then also like uh, "Lose Yourself" is uh might be his one of his most well-regarded songs. Um, then also you had several others. Um. Like my name is was uh, a really popular one. Real Slim Shady, of course, uh, was his first top ten song. Um, and then uh, without me was a really successful co uh, comedic one. Um, uh, and then like, for instance, when I'm gone, Mockingbird, uh, shake that. Uh, Crack a Bottle, Not Afraid, Love the Way You Lie, which was with Rihanna. Um, his, other song with, his other big song with Rihanna, Monster, then like you have Rap God, Berserk, Survival, uh, Kill Shot, so, uh, Godzilla. So many big songs. Um, so I, I think that in terms of popularity, legacy, and longevity... Because he has been, I, it's insane, like, just how popular he's been. Um, the last album that he released that uh, didn't hit number, uh, in terms of studio albums that didn't hit number one in the U.S. was his debut album. Or, sorry, was Slim Shady LP, which hit number two, rather. Um, it's in, And that was released in 1999. That's just insane. So I think he'll get in. Um, next one is Eurythmics. Uh they're the uh they have been they were previously nominated a couple times actually 2017 2018 um they were another group like Duran Duran who started out in synth pop but I mean in new wave rather but then shifted over to synth pop they ended up being one of the more popular groups of the 80s um and in my opinion if I'm thinking synth pop groups of the 80s honestly Eurythmics might be the one I'd go to uh they had some big hit albums including uh sweet dreams made of this 
touch and be yourself tonight. Um, but then their singles, they're probably most remembered for uh, Sweet Dreams Made of This, which hit number one in the U.S. But they also had uh, Would I Lie to You, Here Comes the Raid Again, uh, both of which hit the top ten. And then also uh, Sister Doing It For Themselves, which featured Aretha Franklin, um, Missionary Man, uh, Who's That Girl, Love is a Stranger, Right By Your Side, uh, There Must Be an Angel, and other songs. Uh, really, they I would consider them one of the more popular groups of the 80s, in particular the more popular electronic pop, electronic rock groups of the 80s. They're the ones. I think the big hurdle that they're that's standing between them and this first off is people might say well did they necessarily do enough uh the other big hurdle is that compared to the other artists but i think that the biggest hurdle for them actually is the fact that there will be people who uh, there is the question are they more electronic and the electro the question of is electronic rock or should it be in the rock and roll hall of fame is one that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has really struggled with and really did themselves no favors with by uh, giving up on trying to induct Kraftwerk and instead inducting them as an early influence artist. Uh, next up is Judas Priest. Look, they're one of the biggest metal bands of all time. I mean, they were uh, really influential in uh, in pioneering metal music. Um, they uh, were also influential in... Uh, the um in uh their fashion in terms of rock um with bringing in the leather jackets uh and uh they um yeah they uh i i feel safe just saying them like one of the biggest one of the biggest uh metal bands of all time um and I mean they had several albums that were big. Uh Sad Wings of Destiny was is a staple in uh in metal music. Um and then uh like uh they also had uh Point of Entry found some popularity. Screaming for Vengeance was uh uh was probably their breakthrough album in the US. Uh, that one's popular. Uh Defenders of the Faith was also another one that uh was fairly well regarded. Um, and uh, Painkiller as is another one that uh, that uh, got a lot of positive uh, publicity as well and like was a big success. Uh, they still like will have like top 10 albums, no problem. Uh, and in terms of the singles, um, their only top 100 single in the US was You Got Another Thing Coming, but they had several in the UK that uh were top 100 including uh the top uh top 20 hits of uh living after midnight breaking the law uh take on the world as well as uh united which uh peaked at 26 um and they also had a bunch of songs that were popular in rock music and are still uh getting radio airplay uh, including uh the aforementioned living after midnight and breaking the law um as well as you got another thing coming, but then also, uh, like for instance, Painkiller still gets radio play. For instance, uh, yeah, they, uh, I think that it's obvious to put them in my opinion. Um, next up is Fela Cootie. Um, 
so he is I mean he was nominated last year and I was not expecting that but I was I think it's so I think it's insane because I mean he is I'm excited that he was nominated because he is so influential in uh music um I mean and in particular with the genre Afrobeat when I think Afrobeat I think him and the next names I think of are his sons um so I mean that's I think that just shows how important he is um I think he really was so influential in uh active political activism uh cult as a cultural icon um and musically just it was so important all around um I mean, really, with uh, in particular with Afrobeat, he really was important. Like that, really, that's a genre that like combines a lot of uh, uh, traditional African percussion music with like genres such as funk and jazz, and like also like a lot of African uh, vocals as well. So I think that, and I think that one is they he was able to do that masterfully, um, and I think there's a case even that he there's a case to be made that he might be among the most important musicians in Africa, in Africa, in Africa, in terms of like, uh, in terms of, uh, like influence. So I think that's just, I think it's insane just how important he is. Um, I think he absolutely should be in. I really hope he does get in. Um, Next up, MC5. They're another group that keeps getting nominated and nominated. And a big reason is that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominating committee loves... It's obvious. They love 60s music. They want to nominate more and more 60s music. And since they've decided that uh, artists like Man for Man or Herman's Hermits or The Monkees are not artists they want to nominate, they said, why don't we just keep nominating MC5? So MC5 is back on the ballot again. I think they should get in. Um, but the voters have spoken a bit. So uh, MC5, they're uh, really influential in the development of punk music um, and like were an important garage rock band in the late 60s, early 70s. Their most known song is uh, Kick Out the Jams, which is a punk rock staple. Um, they're most their most two most known albums are their live is their live live debut album which is their lone top 40 album uh kick out the jams and then also back in the usa both are uh critically acclaimed albums uh really they are they were really important in like a bunch of different genres important hard rock group uh important garage rock group also had some importance in blues rock but i think punk is really the development of punk and their importance in the development of alternative music as well is a big reason why they keep getting nominated and why I think they should get in. Um, next up is another uh, proto-punk band, New York Dolls. So uh, they've been nominated a couple times and haven't gotten in before. Obviously, that's why they're nominated again. Um, but I mean, they're also another one that's really influential in development of punk and uh, the and also the development of alternative music. Um, but I think one thing that was really different between New York Dolls and MC5 is that New York Dolls really were uh was one of the 
few popular, um, one of the few American groups that had any sort of popularity in glam rock music, a style that was huge in the UK but didn't have a ton of success in the US. Um, and I mean, like, for I mean, in terms of US bands, I mean, there's Alice Cooper and Lou Reed are the ones that had massive hits, but then you had Iggy Pop, Sparks, and then dot 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 he did have some other acts but still i mean that's kind of the point but still they were really important uh in development of several genres i think they're an essential essential one in uh alternative music um their debut album new york dolls is uh still uh, it's like uh an album that still is a really important album uh and acclaimed album uh they did have other albums that uh found positive reviews, though uh none quite as uh positively as their debut album, although at the same time, too much too soon, their second album it was uh really was still uh had had a lot of critical success. Uh their most popular song without a doubt is their song Personality Crisis, uh which is an- another uh glam rock and proto punk staple. Um yeah, I think that overall they have a lot of influence, um, but I think that the presence of MC5 might wind up being difficult for the either of them to get in. Uh, next up, Lionel Richie. He, yeah, he was quite a popular artist, um, acclaimed songwriter, uh, and while he did have high success with the Commodores, he initially, when he branched off on his solo career, his debut album, uh, ended up peaking at number three and well spawned multiple hits uh he had i believe four number one hits nope i miscounted five number one hits uh probably good when the math major is miscounting um you had he had endless love which he performed with diana ross truly all night long hello and say you say me he had several other big hits. I mean, throughout the throughout the eighties, he was one of the most popular artists of the decade. Um, he also still found some success in the decades following. Um, was a really important songwriter as well, an excellent songwriter. Um, he has several albums that were really popular, even his uh, most uh, most recent album, Tuskegee. Uh, wound up uh be uh wound up hitting number one in the u.s as well uh so i think the biggest surprise out the basically the with lionel richie i think the best way i could put it with his nomination this year was when i was telling my dad the nominees my dad said he's not in yet and i said no he hasn't even been nominated before which really caught him off guard so i think that every now and then you get these artists that they don't get they you hear them being nominated and it's like oh they i'm surprised to hear that they never got in uh and lionel richie is one of those uh next up a tribe called quest they are one that's really important in hip-hop music especially alternative music uh they might not have been the first alternative hip-hop group and there are several alternative hip-hop groups that are staples I would argue that for me, probably the one alternative hip hop 
there are a few that come to mind quickly. Um, maybe like someday De La Soul might come to mind immediately. Uh, the Fuji's might come to mind pretty quickly. But I think for me, the one that immediately comes to my mind when I think alternative hip hop is a tribe called Quest. They're also really important in jazz rap, which uh, while they weren't the first jazz rap group, they were incredible. They were among the they were among the most successful of them, and um, they had several hits, uh, including a war tour, which is uh, which is the first song I ever heard by them. Uh, Can I kick it? Which uh, it's an amazing song, um, and then uh, scenario, uh, find a way, and then uh, from their last album, the the lone single from the last album, uh, we the people. That one is a legendary song, um, but uh, and then you also had like uh, Bunny to Applebum, um, jazz, check the rhyme several other songs that uh were really big and important in music and then their albums also were massive uh their debut well uh, basically first of all they didn't make a bad album i know some people might and most other albums are good at minimum uh most of their albums are great though i don't know if we can necessarily say for instance the, i don't know i feel a little bit weird saying the love movement for instance is great um but their debut album People's Instinctive Travels and the Paths of Rhythm. Right off the bat, I think that really showed that, hey, we might have we might have something here. Um, that one was a legendary album. And then they released Low End Theory, which it's like that one is a really important hip hop album. Uh and then you all after that you have another important one in Midnight Mar uh, Marauders. Um, which is another legendary album. So, uh, and then even their last album as well. Uh, we got it from here. Thank you for your service. That one is another one that was critically acclaimed and is a highly regarded album. Um, it, they just had so many, I don't think they'll get into it. They had so many, that's, they had so many great, amazing releases and were so influential in the genre. Alternative hip-hop has not had as much success at all in the Rock Roll Hall of Fame. Also, with Eminem's presence, I don't think people are going to vote in multiple hip-hop artists. So, I don't think A Tribe Called Quest gets in. I hope they do, but I'm not I'm not optimistic. Uh, next up is Rage Against the Machine. Now, uh, every year Rage gets nominated, there's always the question mark of, well, this doesn't feel great because Tom Morello is on the nominating committee. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's terrific that he, uh, that this happens, but, uh, um, but hey, here we are now, he's, uh, they're nominated again, and, um, will, uh, they, and look, I mean, it's interesting, because a lot of people, they definitely have their following. A lot of people do hate them, though, even still. I think part of that is because there's some, like, accusations about, like, for instance, uh, hypocrisy. Uh, and then also just a lot of people get mad when politics that aren't their political views 
are discussed. That said, Rage Against the Machine is an essential band in alternative metal, punk metal, rap rock, uh, rap metal. Uh, they're a staple in 90s alternative music and 90s hard rock music. Uh, two other albums, in, well, Evil Empire is a, is a great album, in my opinion. Um, and, like, I mean, even, like, uh, even Renegades is, it's their weakest of their four albums, but even then, that's, like, a good album as well. It's an entirely cover album, but then, like, their debut album, their self-titled debut, is, was a massive, uh, massive success, both commercially and especially critically, where it's still one of the best albums of all time, and most people say that's their best album. I think their third album, Battle of Los Angeles, is even better. Um, and I think that one is their masterpiece, as is their masterpiece instead. Um, so, so, um, so many, uh, they have so many, uh, legendary songs, most known for Killing in the Name, but then also, like, uh, songs like Bulls on Parade, Bullet in the Head, uh, Gorilla Radio, Sleep Down the Fire, uh, Freedom, Bomb Track, uh, People of the Song, People of the Sun, rather. Um, testify, sleeping on the fire. I think I still sleeping on the fire, but so many, so many well-regarded songs in the genre. They're bound to get in at some point. Is this year the year? I don't know, um, but we'll see. Um, next up, we're getting close to done. I know this is a long one, but we're getting close to there. Uh, Carly Simon. Uh, at this point, she's probably most known for "You're So Vain," but at the same time, she had a bunch of hits. Um. So, uh, and, uh, she has been, she is someone that, ha that is well-regarded. A bunch of artists have, uh, cited her as an influence, including, uh, Taylor Swift, Carly Rae Jepsen, uh, Tori Amos, uh, and Claro, including others. So I think that, uh, uh, all of, so I think all of those, that, that could help. Um, I mean, in terms of her releases, uh, throughout the, she had a bunch of, like, big albums, uh, No Secrets was her most popular one, but then also Hot Cakes and Boys in the Trees also ended up charting the top ten, uh, as did later on, um, in 2005, Moonlight Serenade also ended up charting the top ten, and she had some others that were popular, um, but I mean, for her singles, Your Sylvain, of course, is her most known one, uh, but then also, like, uh, that's the way I always heard it's supposed to be. Uh, Mockingbird, Nobody Does It Better, uh, You Belong to Me. Um, those all hit the top 10. And then she had several other top four, top 20 and top 40 hits. Um, she is a, she's absolutely a well-regarded songwriter. Um, she's had, uh, uh, she wrote a bunch of her songs. And uh, I think, I don't think all of her songs necessarily, because she had at least some cover songs, but most of her songs at least were uh, that she wrote, and she's an excellent writer. I I really do think that uh, there is a serious case that she, for her to get in, um, even while, like, uh, it's interesting, because even, like, with the case of, you might say, well, yes, she's a great, amazing writer, amazing performer. Did she necessarily do enough for music to... Uh, be in this category maybe she should be because of her writing should she should she be in the um award for music excellence category i think though even still i think that she has done enough to make 
nom- to make an induction justifiable, honestly. Um, and the last up, uh, we have Dionne Warwick. Um, she's an incredible songwriter. I'm, uh, excuse me. Um, I meant singer. Um, and uh, she really is quite the performer. Uh, and she is another one that uh found success for a long period of time. She first became popular in the '60s and was huge in the '60s, but then was still like releasing many singles over uh after that. And I know like most people when they think the '60s, they think British Invasion, but there were um like R and B music was also pretty big in the '60s, and she was especially in the mid. While she did start, she her first her first top forty hit was in the was in '62, and her first top ten hit was in '63. She uh still was uh um she still had hit was having hits all throughout the sixties. She still had some hits in the seventies, uh and even like into the eighties even. So like it she her longevity is just absolutely insane and her performance, I mean she I always have a lot of respect for people to uh who can take a song that wasn't even that wasn't even written by them but then make it their own. And I've like said this, I've, I've said this with like a few other artists, like a Whitney Houston, for instance, I mentioned before Aretha Franklin, I think was the queen of that. Um, even like someone like Elvis, uh, was skilled at that. But I think Warwick is another one that is absolutely fantastic about that. I know some people don't make that to be a big deal. I think it's really important and really just a, absolute marvel being able to watch that i know for me because i am someone who struggles with changing up a cover so uh changing up a song when trying to do a cover song i know some people say that that's easier than coming writing songs coming up with songs it's not for me i have no problem coming up with songs but i know for me with doing what someone like warwick is able to do i can't i have so much trouble with that but she did have like so many hit songs probably her the i mean walk on by was I might say it's her. I consider that to be her biggest song. Um, but then even still, I mean, you have several others. Like I say, a little prayer. Um, I'll never fall in love again. Um, anyone who had a heart. Uh, she uh, like her top her number one hits where she had uh, then came you, which she performed with the Spinners. Um, and then also uh, that's what friends are for, which uh, she uh performed with uh elton john gladys knight and stevie wonder um they i mean she yeah she's had so many hits and it's been so popular throughout her career that honestly i think that's fair and i mean even like uh from 1955 to 1999 the only female artist who charted on the billboard 100 more was Aretha Franklin, who is in uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So, I mean, I think that there's a serious case for her as well. So, in my opinion, overall, I think this one is a really strong class, honestly. I know some people have like made a big deal about the fact that how many of these are actually legit rock artists? Well, I mean, with the way with how the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has defined rock, the only one that I think might be questionable 
would be Dolly Parton. But um, overall, I do think it's a loaded class. Who do I think will get in? Eminem's a lock. Besides that, I'm really not sure. If I had to guess right now, if I think there's if there are only going to be five in, I think there'll be more than five. But um, Lionel Richie, um, Pat Benatar, Dolly Parton, and maybe Duran Duran, maybe Carly Simon. Also, I'm. And maybe you're even Rage Against the Machine. I'm not quite certain. Um, and then even, like, I'm at the point where if I had to choose uh, who I would vote for in this case, I'm not sure who I would choose. Uh, if I had to, because the ballots, you could only choose five. I mean, Eminem, for sure. But then after that, I mean, the ones that I would say that I would be more inclined to vote for would be, uh, in this one, uh, Kate Bush, uh, Dolly Parton, Judas Priest, Philly Cootie, MC5, Lionel Richie, A Tribe Called Quest, Rage Against the Machine. And I'm on the fence about Carly Simon. Um, probably not in this, probably not as high in the other ones. So, I mean, right there, I mean, I think I just said like eight artists or nine artists. I wasn't really counting. So, I mean, I don't know who I would choose for five. I would have to think about that and get back to you. And, when you get closer to the election and the induction, I'll, or the when the inductees are announced, I'll determine who I think should be inducted. But I'm not sure right now. That's a really good one. Now, um, that's the episode for today. Sorry, this is a really long one. I was hoping to get to one other thing today, and actually, I actually recorded this once already and tried re-recording it, and it ended up being just as long. So, whoops. Um, the one other thing that I had hoped to get to that I'll get to more next time is one thing that I'll tease and that's um for Black History Month I'm going to do something different than I did last year which is good because my Black History Month special last year was a disaster to put it mildly I think that last year what I did was I was just trying to find I was finding so many artists that I wanted to discuss and then was Reaching the end of Black History Month, I just panicked and decided I'll talk about all of them and ended up with like a two hour, two and a half hour just mess of an episode. This time, what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to discuss an artist each each episode who I think is really important in music and was really influential in different genres. Um, and as a teaser, I think the first one I'm going to discuss is Bad Braids, who's an essential artist in hardcore punk. And I probably will do one episode that discusses a few more, but I did want to do do it so that it is like, so I am discussing several artists and not overwhelming everyone with one. And I think, and I think that I can do, that will be a better way of doing it. So you'll hear that for the first one next time. And the next one, unless something happens, will be the best albums of 2021. So thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, Make sure you like the Facebook page and check out the blogs for Feeling Groupie and Is Blower Trademarked Yet. And also check out the Facebook pages for uh, Groupie and Harmony and Is Blower Trademarked Yet. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.